0: This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America, brought to you through the cooperation of the School of Communications at Webster University, the Global University, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, and Link TV. And now, here's host Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week, we look ahead to the major meeting between President Dilma Rousseff of Brazil and President Barack Obama in Washington, D.C., But first, Sierra Hancock has our weekly review of news from around Latin America.
1: The U.S. Senate approved Special Trade Negotiation Authority for President Barack Obama this week. This move brings Obama's plans to complete the Trans-Pacific Partnership one step closer. That partnership creates a special trade zone for a dozen countries along the Pacific Rim, including the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Peru, and Chile. Republican Senator Orrin Hatch of Utah called this vote historic.
0: This is, I believe, the most important bill we'll pass in the Senate this year. It will help reassert Congress's role over U.S. trade negotiations and reestablish the United States as a strong player in international trade.
1: Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio argued unsuccessfully against the increased trade powers for the president.
0: This body should not give up its authority to amend trade agreements, should not pave the way for a trade deal that looks like it's going to be more of the same, corporate handouts, worker sellouts. We've seen it with NAFTA.
1: President Obama is widely expected to sign the bill and to then have his team complete negotiations on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The U.S. Congress also held its first hearing in five years on the status of Puerto Rico this week. Pedro Pierluisi is Puerto Rico's resident commissioner, a non-voting delegate to the U.S. Congress. Pierluisi has campaigned for the United States to move the island beyond its status as a territory, to let it become a state or become independent. At the hearing, he claimed the island's current fiscal problems would be solved if Puerto Rico became a state.
2: Territory status is the root cause of the crisis in Puerto Rico. Because Puerto Rico is treated, treated unequally under federal programs, it is deprived of critical economic support. To compensate, the Puerto Rico government has borrowed heavily.
1: Puerto Rico owes creditors at least $72 billion and must work out a payment plan before the end of this year. Also this week, Cuba introduced a resolution before a committee of the United Nations calling on the United States to make Puerto Rico an independent nation. (music) Venezuelan opposition leader Leopoldo Lopez ended his hunger strike this week after the Venezuelan government set a firm date for elections to the National Assembly. The Venezuelan government jailed Lopez last year. Many opposition leaders feared the government would call off the elections because no firm election date had been set. Lopez started his hunger strike in May and only consumed water and a solution mixed with electrolytes for a month. He lost 30 pounds. The U.S. and other countries called upon the Venezuelan government to set an election date, fearing Lopez would not survive his hunger strike. Venezuelans will now vote on December 6th. The rhetoric of the U.S. presidential race is spilling across the border into Mexico, and one Mexican artist has a response. A piñata that looks like U.S. entrepreneur Donald Trump, who was one of 13 officially declared candidates running for the Republican presidential nomination. Two weeks ago, Trump insulted Mexicans, saying that unauthorized migrants from Mexico are responsible for drug use and crime in the United States. Mexican artist Dalton Avalos Ramirez says he created the Trump Piñata so Mexicans could show their anger over his insults. Avalos Ramirez isn't the only artist feuding with Trump. Rock legend Neil Young accused Trump of using his song Rockin' in the Free World as the theme song of his campaign without permission. This week... Trump took to Twitter to feud with Young. So far, though, no official Trump response about the pinata. For Latin Pulse, I'm Sierra Hancock.
0: Thanks, Sierra. Our shout out this week goes to our listeners in Brooklyn, New York. During the past year, Brooklyn is where we have our third largest group of listeners, behind Silicon Valley in California and the D.C. suburbs of Northern Virginia. So thanks so much to our listeners in Brooklyn. And in all of the spots where you can hear our program. And now, this week, we turn our attention to Brazil. Almost two years ago, President Rousseff was poised to be the guest at one of President Obama's very few state dinners. And then, the spying revelations of Edward Snowden came out, and along with them, news that the U.S. was tapped into Rousseff's private phone lines. Rousseff canceled the visit. And so next week will mark a major shift toward more open, friendly relations between the two largest economies in the hemisphere, when Rousseff tours the U.S. and meets with Obama. We turn to Matias Spector at the Getulio Vargas Foundation for his analysis. Spector is the author of 18 Days, when Lula and Cardoso joined to conquer and gain the support of Bush. Spector joined us via Skype from the foundation offices in Sao Paulo, Brazil.
2: This is an important visit because it'll be the first time President Rousseff goes to the United States after the Snowden affair, when we learned from the revelations that the United States had been spying not only on the private communications of the president of Brazil, but also the government in general, and in particular, the biggest Brazilian state company, the oil company, Petrobras. Uh, that scandal now, two years ago, uh, through the relationship, the diplomatic relationship between the two countries in the freezer, really. And things have beginning to improve now for the past three or four months. And this visit really is a reset of that relationship. So from a Brazilian perspective, this is a pretty big event. It is also the most important international trip President Rousseff has now at the beginning of her second term in office, um, and she needs it very badly because the economy is shrinking and her approval rates are following suit.
0: So many things to follow up on there. Uh, First, let's start with how have the Brazilians reset this relationship? Obviously, this is awkward and embarrassing for the Obama administration to be caught spying on supposedly a, a friendly government, and ally. Um, how have these two countries managed to make up in the past two years?
2: Well, basically, the Brazilians have reconciled themselves to the idea that they will not get an official apology from the Obama administration uh, and this visit, to a degree, is all about acknowledging that they understand in Brasilia that an official apology will not be made. There is an interest in the visit to try and facilitate trade, which Brazil needs and which the Obama administration thinks is useful, although not urgent in any way. But what moves the American side, I think, is the notion that as the Obama administration comes to an end, it will be very useful to have the relationship with Brazil stabilized. Brazil is the last big item on Obama's Latin American agenda after the U-turn on Cuba, of course. We're moving from a frozen relationship, very little contact at the highest levels, um, to a presidential visit that will restore the atmospherics, I think, um, in a positive way. This said, I think it's important to highlight the fact that in the past two years, even if the relationship at presidential le- level uh, was pretty bad and cold, the fact is that lots of secretaries, ministers, uh, officials from both sides have been visiting the other There has been business going on in both directions for the past two years, quietly under the shadow. Uh, And this is explained by the fact that economic interdependence between the two countries is now so big that there is really no other way other than talk.
0: Isn't there some concern or interest on the U.S. part that we see the president of China, President Xi, recently in Brazil? courting Brazil on some some very big infrastructure and trade issues?
2: Look, um, one would have to ask an American official. My sense is that there is no major fear in the Beltway that the China-Brazil relationship will compete in any significant way with U.S.-Brazil relations. Um, of course, in terms of trade, the United States used to be Brazil Brazil's largest trade partner up to about five years ago, and that position has now been taken by China. But the nature of, the, of that trade differs very significantly. Basically, the United States sells Brazil industrialized products, and it buys from Brazil industrialized and semi-factured products. Whereas China... Sells to Brazil industrialized products. So to a degree it does compete with America, but it buys from Brazil mostly commodities. So trade with China and the United States strengthen different economic sectors inside Brazil. The competition is not blatant or obvious. Um, and there's room enough for both. The single largest challenge, I think, from an American perspective is the fact that Brazil remains one of the most closed economies in the world. Brazil is more closed to international trade than any of the other BRICS countries, that is China, India, Russia, and South Africa. And I think there is a sense of frustration on the part of the American private sector and public sector that Brazil is yet to open up. And I think whatever initiatives are made on the trade front have to do more with opening Brazil than with preventing Brazil from trading more with China at this juncture.
0: The expectation would be too high that we would see that sort of opening after just one summit meeting between the two, would it
2: not? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, To a large degree, because the belief in free trade is not widespread in Brazil. In Brazil's historical experience, free trade is often seen as something that causes greater inequality among nations, not something that benefits the majority of the Brazilian population. So there are very deeply seated reservations inside Brazil
0: You've mentioned the economy in Brazil and you've mentioned inequality. Uh, Certainly, President Rousseff has had to deal with uh, what some call the worst economy in a generation in Brazil and people, I would guess, going out in the streets and blaming her. So um, the protest movement ramped up a bit during the spring um, to bring her attention to that. Is this the typical sort of trip that a president takes uh, to deflect away from internal concerns and show that that she can get respect on the world stage?
2: I think there is an element of that, coupled with a decision by the presidential palace in Brazil to signal a shift in economic policy management in the second administration of Rousseff. Uh, The president is now very committed to a policy of fiscal adjustment and uh, creating an ambiance of greater friendliness to business and I think the calculations in Brasilia are that the best place on earth really to signal that to the world at large is to have the president go to New York first then to Washington and then to California as she will next week so this is very much an attempt to regain credibility abroad that has been lost in the last four years and also uh, to show the world that now the administration has changed tack in managing the economy the economy will become a bit more open fiscal responsibility will be taken a bit more seriously of course this in terms of timing this is really bad The latest news are terrible for the Brazilian government. Uh, The president's approval rate has plummeted to the level of 10%. Uh, Rejection rates are about 65%. This is one of the highest rejection rates in Brazil's democratic history. Um, Couple that with news from the economy. We now know the economy is likely to shrink, This year, around 1.5% of GDP. Um, So the news are really bad. And everything suggests that things are not going to improve much more in the next 12 months or so. So pulling off a trip that is successful is not going to be easy. She will have to respond to pointed questions in the United States as to what she plans to do exactly. But I think there is a sense in Brasilia that there is no other option than tackle these questions head on now and try and reverse the international negative commentary about Brazil's trajectory overall.
0: Some of those negative questions might be, um, why is the president on the left of the Workers' Party uh, cutting welfare benefits and also um, public pensions, which is, is what her administration has said they're going to do?
2: Absolutely, of course. This is a major source of anxiety for her political base, and it's been a factor that has undermined support for her uh, on the left. Um, The truth is that she is now implementing a set of policies that are opposite to what she promised last year in order to get re-elected. We have to remember that Rousseff won re-election last year with the thinnest margin that we ever had in Brazilian democratic elections. So things are very difficult for her. And I think the photo opportunity with President Obama is an attempt to try and reverse the tone of the conversation about Brazil around the globe.
0: Thank you so much. Matias Spector of the Getulio Vargas Foundation, the author of 18 Days, among other books. Join us via Skype on Latin Pulse from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you ever so much.
1: Democracy is synonymous with independence. Independence is synonymous with emancipation. Emancipation is synonymous with sovereignty. Sovereignty is synonymous with superiority. Superiority is synonymous with arrogance. Arrogance is synonymous with domination, and domination is synonymous with dictatorship. Dictatorship always finds its way.
0: Amnesty International. Learn. Indignate. Act. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Victoria Langland is the author of Speaking of Flowers, Student Movements in the Making and Remembering of 1968 in Military Brazil, and she's with the University of Michigan. We asked her for her opinions about next week's major diplomatic meetings between the presidents of Brazil and the U.S. She joined us via Skype from her office in Ann Arbor, Michigan.
3: It's critically important for President Rousseff um, in a lot of different ways. She's facing a very, very difficult political and economic situation in Brazil right now. Her approval ratings are at an all-time low. I think they just came out with new poll figures the other day. She's having a very difficult time politically. Economically, the economy has been um, contracting. There's been high unemployment. It's been really difficult financially. And so in many ways, this meeting comes at a good moment for her to try to, in some ways, um, make some economic steps, take some economic steps that she needs to take in terms of cultivating some investors, appealing to investors in the United States. If, if you. If you've looked at her schedule, she's not only going to D.C. and to the White House, she's also having meetings with um, private investors in New York City and in Silicon Valley and San Francisco. So there's a there's sort of three parts to this, to this particular
0: trip to the United States, New York, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco. And President Obama is just one of those important steps. What does she need to come away with, both in the meetings with, I would guess, investors and the business community, in California and New York as opposed to what she needs to come away with from her meeting with President Obama.
3: Well, I think perhaps it's easiest to talk about the investors. She's really she's got a new program that she's launched a little while ago, it's what they call the PIL, the the logistics investment program. It's this incredibly humongous campaign to build up infrastructure in Brazil, to build new highways, new railroads, new ports and airports. Um, they're intending to spend 133 billion hiaish over the next 25 years and 80 billion of those in the first five years. So they're seeking a huge influx of foreign investment to help finance some of this. And when she had a, an earlier investment program, kind of a infrastructural building program in 2012, it didn't stimulate a lot of investment. So she's really looking for a lot of uh, support in these financial communities, and speaking directly to investors in New York and Silicon Valley will help with that. But then in terms of her of her meetings with President Obama, there's some ways in which there are some renewed economic ties that she might be able to come out of this with. Perhaps some narrow trade issues might be resolved, like there's been a restriction in the U.S. on um, sales of fresh beef from Brazil, one of Brazil's exports, Since the incident in 2012, when there was a possibility of mad cow disease and actually a lot of countries stopped importing fresh beef from Brazil, Brazil has been working hard to get those restrictions lifted in a lot of places. China just lifted their restrictions last month. So she might get that's not huge, but she might get sort of some symbolic economic arrangements. Most importantly, I think people think that it gives her a chance to kind of rebuild Brazil's reputation in this moment of crisis as having close relationships with a strong ally, um, and to shore up her own political position domestically to kind of return some of the authority of the presidency to her after she's been under such critique, and particularly by the right, right? The people who are most in favor of a strong relationship with the United States have been her strongest critics. And so having a closer relationship with the United States, or at least having the appearance of, not that it's only appearances, but being able to demonstrate and symbolically manifest that relationship I think could be important for her domestically.
0: You have given us a, a lot of things to to delve into in that particular answer. So let me start with uh, the Chinese. And you mentioned the Chinese, their investment in Brazil. You also mentioned the need for Brazil to um, strike new infrastructure packs with um, partners in the United States. The Chinese seem to be the ones that have stepped up to the plate and done more business in this regard, talking about railways and supporting the Rio Olympics next summer with with the Brazilians. Uh, um, Do the Chinese really have the inside track these days when we talk about doing business with Brazil?
3: Um, I I should say in full disclosure, I'm married to a China specialist, and he and I laugh repeatedly about um, U.S. perspectives on a lot of places, including this idea that China is this terrible threat because it's doing things like investing in places, which is exactly what you know, we want emerging uh, economies to be able to cultivate these kinds of investments and that I don't I don't see this as at all threatening but rather a sign of Brazil's potential and Brazil's economic uh, economic plans. Yeah I think there's no fast track or there's no kind of inside track I think it's who will make reliable um, investing partners that will help with Brazilian goals for Brazilian outcomes that Brazil wants to cultivate. And if they can find someone who will partner with the the goals that they have, then that's great. China sometimes is that. The U.S. sometimes is that. Sometimes it's other places. Um, More power to them.
0: (laughs) This relationship, as you mentioned, needs strengthening between the U.S. and Brazil. Uh, It's been rather cold since the Brazilians discovered that the U.S. was spying on them uh, two years ago. And this was supposed to be a, a major state visit when that Um, got canceled. Um, Do you think that we will see a warmer relationship after this meeting or is that too much to ask?
3: Well, we'd like to hope that this is a step toward a warmer relationship and toward a more kind of sustained relationship. And it's a little bit hard because it's the end of Obama's presidency. We don't know who will succeed him. And we're really talking about creating some kind of a longer-term plan for the U.S.'s relationship with Brazil that, that may or may not be able to be carried out with the next administration. We don't know who that will be. I don't see that there's going to be some particular, like a cord hammered out between the two that are going to guarantee that, but I think any time you get two people together and can try to create some better understanding of one another, some better solidarity, some better um, relationship, then that that can only be a good thing. And I think that President Obama and... and and President Hussef probably share quite a bit in common. Um, they're both historically remarkable presidencies. Our first African-American president in the United States, the first female president in Brazil, um, who have very fascinating biographies, including um, her role as um, an opponent in the armed struggle against the military dictatorship that the United States supported at the time, um, who was imprisoned for three years, was tortured, um, you know, faced a lot of political repercussions even after she was released from prison. Who, nonetheless, worked her way up through local government to become, you know, Brazil's first president is kind of it's incredibly remarkable her story. And to have her come and and have you know lunch with uh, dinner with the, with the Obamas and lunch with Joe Biden in the State Department is 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 wonderfully symbolic. And hopefully that is a a recognition in the United States of the importance of these kind of political actors in the world. In the past, the U.S maybe wouldn't have wanted a person with that biography to enter the United States. And today we see these uh, figures like Dilma Rousseff as really pushing
0: um, Brazil forward in a lot of important ways. Given that she has just started her second term uh, and that we have a female frontrunner in the presidential sweepstakes right now in the United States, um, we could be looking at down the line uh, her next meeting uh, with a U.S. president, uh, could be with a with a, another woman as president.
3: Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. And if we could bring in the president of Argentina and the president of Chile and, you know, all, many, many we, women presidents in the Western Hemisphere, bring them all together, that would be fantastic.
0: <laughs> well, certainly we've seen that solidarity more in South America than, than in many other places in the globe. What haven't we touched on that you think is important for us to talk about? We have
3: about what Obama might gain out of this because I think it's important. I mean, I clearly come at this with a perspective of what is motivating President Hussein and what does she want. But I think um, Obama has a lot to gain from this as well. Um, it would be useful for him if he could secure some kind of Brazilian agreement on climate change, um, something that he's been organizing with a lot of different states in term uh, in in preparation for the December meetings in Paris on global cl- climate change negotiations. He would probably like to secure some Brazilian support for the U.S. position in Venezuela, um, particularly as Venezuela just announced that they're going, in fact, to have new elections coming up for the assembly. That's a tricky situation, but I think Brazil is a you know incredibly important regional power, and to the extent that he can encourage some vision of Venezuela that reflects the U.S. vision, that would be helpful for him, um, and I think it's also symbolic for him as well that Having an ally like Brazil, who is from the political party, the PT, who had to cancel a state visit because of U.S. spying on that ally, looked terrible. And it's really helpful for him to have her now come back, even though it's not a state visit, but to have her now come back and meet with him, I think is really important for him. And I hope he, you know, takes full advantage of it.
0: Doesn't this also, though, still speak to U.S. power in the region that we see Brazil's president coming back and Obama has never officially apologized to her about this. I I, I think we feel badly that this was discovered, but uh, there has been no official apology as far as I know.
3: No, it's true. There has not been official apology. She kind of finesses that a little bit by saying, you know, we've talked about it and he has guaranteed to me that if he wants to know something, he'll call me on the phone, which I think is very funny the way she says that. In, yes, it, it certainly is a reflection of U.S. policy, US, sorry, of U.S. power, that when she's having domestic difficulties at home, reaching out a hand to the U.S. Um, is helpful. But it also has to do with the nature of those opponents in Brazil, that because um, so many of her opponents are from conservative sectors who support a strong relationship, with that power that that grants it a little additional um, emphasis.
0: Thank you so much, Victoria Langland at the University of Michigan, the author of Speaking of Flowers, Student Movements, and the Making and Remembering of 1968 in Military Brazil. Joining us via Skype from Ann Arbor, Michigan today on Latin Pulse. Thanks for being our guest.
3: Thank you very much, it was a pleasure.
0: Thanks for joining us for our special focus on diplomacy with Brazil, and now a programming note Latin Pulse will be coming to you a bit early next week on Thursday, July the 2nd, to accommodate the Independence Day holiday in the United States. If you'd like to send us your suggestions or comments, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you may write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. If you're looking for earlier editions of Latin Pulse, we're available in various locations on the web, including itunes facebook and flipboard you can also find us in the brazilian online game mini mundos to see the latin pulse archives of video programs on latin america you can check out link tv's website www.linktv.org and then slash latin pulse also all one word that's www.linktv.org slash latin pulse thanks for joining us this week on latin pulse for our entire team Production assistant, Sierra Hancock, and producer, Jim Singer. I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchen otra vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced at the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, with music copyright support through Webster University and Link TV. This program is copyright 2015 Las Rocas Productions.